are back. Welcome once again to Skymail, the mailbag portion of Blake Sky, Private Eye. Four episodes, people. We've made it. We finally established ourselves as the predominant, the, the pinnacle of the mailbag game. Eat your heart out. Literally every other podcast. Woo! Uh, at, that was, as you all know and love, My Gal Friday. Gabby, a.k.a. the heart, the soul, the voice of Eleanor Kostansky. Say hi. Love is a strong word. Hi. And we are joined by someone new, someone exciting, someone intriguing, someone with an air of mystery and a murderous husband. Yes. I mean, not in real life, but like in in the context, in the net... In the narrative of the podcast, The Murderous Husband. You don't know that. I hope not. Nice. Stay mysterious. But but that voice right there was uh, Amy, who was Daphne Howard in the last episode. Amy, say hi to the, to the, to the listeners at home. Hi to the listeners at home. Now say, uh, S.J. Riker is possibly the voice of a generation. S.J. Riker is possibly the voice of a generation. All right, excellent. I've got that recorded, and I can use it whenever I want. Oh, f- uh, <laughs> all right, so we should probably we should probably actually answer some questions because we've got a lot. Uh, and thanks to everybody who uh, wrote in. I really appreciate you. You all are the heart, the soul, the lifeblood of the mailbag. Without you, this would just be me looking in a Google form, feeling very sad. So, without further ado, we will dive right in. For those of you checking your calendars at home and marking chronology, these may not be in the chronological order that they were submitted. Uh, I am not playing favorites. I'm not being a jerk. There are some of these that may be a little time sensitive based on material which they contain, and I don't want to be a jerk. And I'd like to answer them before... uh, you know, they, they become no longer relevant in the zeitgeist of the greater podcast. So, uh, but to, to everybody that I, I may, you know, prioritize for the next mailbag, I see you, you're valid, you mean the world to me, and I'll get to you, I promise. We have our first question from uh, Nathaniel Marietta Tallison, which is, imagine that instead of a noir mystery story, everyone is now a YouTuber. This is a YouTuber alternate universe now. Please describe the channels of each of the characters. (laughs) I have ideas, but I want to hear what everybody else's would be first. Gabby, what what would Eleanor's YouTube channel be? Like primary focus. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) I'm thinking about this. I'm torn between two things. Either she is just hyper nerd mode and has like one follower and just does like, you know, pronunciations of like ancient and dead languages and reads out little like texts or like is super nerdy and maybe writes jokes in said languages and then reads them. (laughs) Um, That sort of thing. Or I could see her kind of going into one of maybe her more obscure interests instead of like her scholastic 
and she does dramatic readings of her favorite romance novels. Yes. Oh, that's oh awesome. God. Like, all right, let, let, let's let's not kid ourselves. She has a main channel and she has a private channel. <laughs> yes, true. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, you, you, you talking about it actually makes me think of, uh, I think it was Wired has the, where they have like experts on and one of them was like a linguist that went over pronunciations between like various movies the the dialects that they use the actors portraying uh both like places and their the regions but also like famous people and the way they talk i i could i could see her doing that but like instead of like yeah this is the difference between you know like a the way a person in you know sussex talks being more like this is how an ancient mesopotamian talks Oh, and like, oh, sorry, that was a that was a little Hittite humor there. I'm sorry. I know it's terrible. Oh, exactly. <laughs> like one person is like, she's fun. She's good. Yeah, she's she's just doing this little snort laugh as she like tells this joke. No one understands. That's my favorite channel. <laughs> I love it. I could see it becoming kind of an obscure meme too. Like nobody knows where it came from except for this like person who follows that channel it's like the only person that follows the channel <laughs> yeah excellent all right what about what about daphne what about daphne howard um i kind of see her as kind of like trending toward like glamour and makeup and hairstyles maybe she'll occasionally have her pretentious asshole husband on as like spotlight on art or like academia or something like that that she wants to highlight for the the week or something like that oh yeah uh i mean for one if he has a channel she definitely has more followers than he does (laughs) that's just a fact for sure uh and he is upset about it but like plays it off as like it's only a matter of the subject matter like he's like well if i was doing makeup tutorials i could get that too but I prefer to do something a little more high-minded, but you know your your channels are cute as well. Uh, that kind of horseshit. Yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah, I, I like that. Like, cause I I think that she does like makeup tutorials and stuff like that, but like that are one really good and like don't just focus on one type of person, but are actually like I don't know uh, about using what people actually have going yeah. for them rather than like this is what you should look like. Yep, and like also maybe she focuses on like I'm thinking maybe this is like modern. Well, obviously it's YouTube, uh, so maybe she does like this is how uh, makeup was applied back in the day. This is what we had in like the 1940s because of like uh, wartime rationing and stuff. So. Like, like realistic for the time makeup. Nice. I like it. All right. Um, I'm going to hold off on Blake. So we'll go over the other characters so far. Uh, Gordon. One, I think that Gordon probably has like a mixology slash cocktail channel. Of course. Nice. With a little bit of like life drama slash blogging, blogging in it, you know, where he's like, Hey guys, no video today. Uh, I just wanted to take some time to talk about my personal life. My boyfriend <laughs> and I just broke up and he's, God, he's such an asshole. But like, you know, we just have such a history to get. And, you know, just like, like those end up getting the most views of like everything. <laughs> August Howard definitely does some sort of like pop culture critique or analysis videos, books, if I had to guess, I'd say he, like, reviews book-movie combos, but is, like, incredibly pretentious about it. I can see that, for sure. Like, maybe they'll do, like, live viewings of, of movies. Daphne will guest star on it. 
he, he basically is kind of like Cinema Sins, I think, where he cannot enjoy things and only rips things down. I, I can see that, yeah. And then, let's see, uh, is anybody we're missing right now? Mickey. You know, I definitely, I definitely see Mickey as having just this kind of like charisma that, I, man, I'm trying to think how it would fit exactly. My initial thought was like singing, just kind of like a, a small time personal singing channel. Yeah. But I, I mean, I could see that, but I could also basically just see Mickey being like one of those people that just like rips movies and like TV shows and stuff and just uploads content onto YouTube as quickly as they can. And then uh, whenever that inevitably gets copyright stricken down, they just like make another burner account and do the same thing. <laughs> All right, and I guess that leaves Blake. So, you know, my initial thought was like, what's the closest thing to being like a mystery solver on YouTube? And my instinct was to go to, like my instinct was conspiracy theorist and I wanted to throw up in my mouth that I, I did that. I hate myself for that. I'm going to put myself in timeout. <laughs> aliens. <laughs> yeah, aliens. <laughs> yeah. No, because like, because that's the thing, like, Plague's a skeptic. He literally has, like, supernatural encounter and, like, yes. doesn't want to believe it. Yeah. So I think, if I had to guess, I would say that Blake would either be one of those channels that... You know what? No, I've got it. Blake would basically just be, like, Marble Hornets sort of thing, where it's, like, dramatic fiction that is produced by them. They would probably act in it rather than actually work on the creation, if I had to guess. But, I don't know, that... I think I think that definitely it would be something to where they could use their acting chop uh, that that he could use his acting chops in it, you know. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Made it through that in only a sh a, a scant Redacted. minutes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, to the second half of the the mailbag. Just who did frame Roger Rabbit? Now, there's the obvious canon answer, and if you don't know it, spoilers to a movie that's as old as I am. It's Doc Brown from uh, Back to the Future. So I hate to be the, the one to ruin it for you, but but that's not funny. Uh, and the mailbag here is all about flying in the face of any drama and tension that we build up in the show with being complete idiots. So uh, <laughs> g give me give me your best answer. Who did frame Roger Rabbit? Hmm. I'll give you mine right now. Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Mickey Mouse. Hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, 100% Mickey Mouse. Uh, obviously part of, like, trying to take over Toontown. Yeah. A Bugs Bunny. Um, is it an in is it both of them? Is it an inside job? Kind of like a like a bizarro Superman and Superman face-off. <laughs> there can be only one. So we've got Jeff Bezos, yeah. <laughs> Mickey Mouse, and Bugs Bunny. All <laughs> murdered. One of well, these things is not it. like the other. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, on to the next one. You know, so we've got one from a longtime fan of the show, Achillea, which is... That person is really, really cool, by the way. Yeah, you know, uh, I, hear, I hear that they've got some pretty good acting chops. I believe it. Yeah. For everybody that doesn't get the joke, Amy 
is a killer. Dun, dun, dun. Hi. What was your favorite part of the last episode? What was the hardest or most challenging part for you? I'm gonna, my answer will always be the same for what is the hardest part of everything. And it's find uh, two things, finding the time in my life to do it. Good old time. And editing it. <laughs> editing is, editing is a very slow process in which I become very aware of every single neurosis and negative thought that I have about myself. So, uh, oh, no. <laughs> it is also a process where uh, I make something that eventually I'm proud of. So, you know, that, I think that's my favorite part is my favorite part is when everything comes together, gels and all these parts that I'm like, this is good, but I don't know how well I can use it. And it, it just all fits together like like puzzle pieces. It was really neat. I did get the chance to see it in action and that was pretty fun. Just, just seeing how you work out that puzzle of putting the episode together. It also helped me stay on track because uh, <laughs> there are n numerous times that I'm just like, you know, I could check Twitter right now. I could put on a YouTube video right now and then I get completely distracted because <laughs> I'm a trash fire human. No, I know how that goes. But we love you. Hamster brain is legit. Oh, gosh, yeah. What, what about you, Gabby? What was your favorite part of the last episode? Oh, man. I, admittedly, it was fun having an outside perspective, being that like Eleanor is not in it, and I loved hearing the <laughs> the super dramatic interactions. It was just, oh, I don't know, such a blast, and so like again, it just it like the tension levels rising so high. Yeah. Uh, oh gosh, yeah. Unfortunately, Stephen couldn't be here because it turns out he's on the East Coast and I'm on the West Coast, which makes organizing things difficult. But I just want to say, Stephen, if you're listening to this, bravo. Uh, the, the amount of people that I have had, you know, message me that's like, hey. Yes. August Howard is like super creepy, but in the best way. And I love this. <laughs> it got like, for, for context, everybody. Um, Steven and I grew up around each other and we did a lot of acting and improvisation together. So I, we both remarked at one point or another that this just felt like coming home again. And it was some of the most fun that I've had in the past decade of my life. Wow. I could, that, that was amazing listening to you two act together. Like it was outstanding. And then uh, the, the second uh, part of the question is, is a gunshot wound to the abdomen actually one of the slowest and most painful ways to die? You know, I actually had another person bring that up that like, it's a very slow way to die and that so long as you don't like eat food or consume anything that could, you know, push, for lack of a better term, into your abdomen and you know, your, 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 your various goo cavities. Goo. You, I mean, you might not die from it. The The reason that I put it in there was uh, it is a reference to Reservoir Dogs uh, where Mr. White is talking to Mr. Orange and he's like, uh, Mr. Orange has been shot. They're in the back of the car and he's like, I'm freaking dying here. I'm freaking dying here. And he's like, you've been shot in the gut. Okay, it's painful. It's one of the most painful ways to die, but it's also one of the longest. So you're going to be fine. Say it with me. You're going to be fine. <laughs> And it's like, it's a it's a stretch, but I like connections to things, as you may have noticed based on some of my naming choices for things, like the fact that August Howard is a combination of August Derelith and Howard Phillips Lovecraft. 
two guys what wrote them creepy stories. But I'll, I'll actually, I'll put in the legwork, I'll, I'll WebMD this. How lethal is a gunshot wound to the head? Whoa. Whoa. To the abdomen. Gunshot wound to the abdomen. What you need to know. How can I care for myself after a gunshot wound to the abdomen? Okay, so based on this, I'm going to feel like that it's probably not the worst because how can I care for myself after a gunshot wound to the abdomen? Now, I don't know if they mean this like long-term care or like, I feel like this is long-term care because the first step is take short walks. <laughs> oh, I've been shot. Let's hmm. go walk. Well, also if someone, someone had the opportunity, well, several people probably if it's showing up in the, the algorithm, but like someone had time to to write that into the search bar after getting shot to be like, oh, how should I handle this? And, you know, it worked out. Yeah, but also somebody... But also somebody apparently Googled how lethal is a gunshot wound to the head. And unless you're, you know, the bride, I don't know. There are people who survive. Depending on where it hits, it's bonkers. I know. I, I know. Uh, the human body is weird and amazing and sad and yeah, mostly sad and mostly weird. Sad and weird. Man, that's my autobiography <laughs> title right there. Sad and weird. We're, I'm going to put this in the less lethal than being shot in the head category. Because apparently, according to this, with a cursory look, with no actual thorough investigation, it says you can walk it off. So, for the, for the record, this does not constitute legal, legally binding medical advice. Do not walk off a gunshot wound. Any of them. Well, thank you for answering my question. Yeah. <laughs> hey, no problem. Okay, so uh, we also have another one from Lewicky Lyle Smith. This is this is three times. This is a hat trick right here. A bit macabre, but I wonder how Eleanor would react to coming home to two dead guys on her carpet. Just curious. <laughs> uh. Well, <laughs> she'd be upset. I mean, that's. On her carpet, so in her dorm room, too. Yeah, so, first of all, I would like to state, it's not Eleanor's place, it's Blake's office, and it's a hardwood floor. Okay, yeah, it depends. August Howard is dead on the floor, Blake's guy is collapsed across his desk, talking into Webster. <laughs> now, that I've, now that I've cleared the air, now that I've painted the mental picture of how I traumatize a college-age woman... Yep. Now, yeah. there's, well, there's, there's obviously going to be a canon way that she responds to this. Uh, oh, yeah. And then there's, like, fun. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's the funnest way to find two <laughs> bodies? <laughs> um, okay. If she's like me, uh, <laughs> um, then what we would do is we would approach it like how I approached the, the Dark Brotherhood quests. And I would rearrange the bodies creatively to make it look like an accident. <laughs> um, or embarrassing, or both. Like, just mess God, with the physics. Yeah, it would definitely be both. <laughs> so, like, just, just, just August and Blake, like, Big Spoon, Little Spoon. Oh, completely. Or, like, making out, like, arms around each other. Like, yeah, yeah absolutely. That's amazing. Well, I've given somebody ideas for fan fiction. Oh, we need fan art. Just kidding. I know that they're already there in some people. <laughs> you know who you are. And then 
there's the canon way, which we'll obviously find out uh, in the next episode when uh, Eleanor becomes the star of the show and I find out how to retitle a podcast on various services. <laughs> I really should have thought this through before I named it. Uh, hi, yeah, Apple. I honor it. <laughs> hi, uh, hi, Tim Apple. <laughs> I'd like to rename my podcast, please. <laughs> I told you my name's not Tim Apple, and stop calling me. <laughs> it's John Apple. <laughs> Frederick McIntosh. <laughs> Nathaniel Honeycrisp. <laughs> Rhett Delicious. This is what the rest of Mailbag's gonna be, isn't it? Yeah, I hope you all are ready for a straight hour of, of rich white dude first name and Apple last name, because that's what you're getting. Obadiah Fuji. Graham Smith. <laughs> We're sorry. No, 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 I've got another one. There's oh, another no. one in here. I can feel it. I can feel it. <sighs> Dig deep. Uh, Simon Yellow Delicious. <laughs> I nailed it. I stuck the landing on that one. Uh, nice. <laughs> Good. And then the second half of the question is, uh, you know how cats like to leave uh, dead animals when you're weak and you can't feed yourself. What does it mean when they start leaving you bits of people? Well, you know, I'm glad to say that we have gotten away from the pet murder you know, side of things. I was wondering if that would pop up tonight. Well, it's pet murder, but it's the other way around. Like, instead of people yeah, murdering yeah. pets, pets murdering people. Yeah, it's 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 like, it's not pet murder, it's murder pets. <laughs> murder pet. Which um, I want yeah. that to be a Tamagotchi. You know, I would you know pay no, all the money for that. No, no, I'm gonna say this. Uh, Netflix, I will make that show. Hit me up. I will make Murder Pets. <laughs> is it gonna be an animated series or is it gonna be like a live action kind of puppets? No, puppets. puppets. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get Jim Henson. Uh, we're gonna raise him from the dead. <laughs> we're gonna. Compel him using darkest necromancy, <laughs> and he's gonna make uh, murder pets for us. Get that dark crystal agent yeah. resistance team on it. I want a Skeksis cat. You think that you think that they would notice if one of those went missing? Just just a puppet, an entire puppet disappearing. Yeah, like an entire child sized puppet. Yes, like one of them goes missing and happens to find itself. Uh, into my house. Well, apparently, when they're when these a lot of these things are done shooting, especially because there's so many of them, because foam latex breaks down over time. There's like they have found warehouses full of things, and it's kind of it, usually it's like, oh look, we found like from from this movie. I think it happened a while ago with either Gremlins or one of the older Henson movies, and they were just like, wow, we found an entire like set of these. This is incredible. Just just imagine like. You know how some explorers found, you know, like ancient tombs and crypts, you know, or like the the collection of like the terracotta soldiers and stuff like that. Just imagine that, but just a a a, a storage room full of Skeksis just staring at you with those yes. beady little eyes. Did you see the? There was a while ago. I think it was a couple months ago. They had found the 
one of the original uh, TMNT like live action movie masks, and it had degraded, so like he looked Terminator. Oh god! Oh. I think it might have. I think it was Leonardo, and like holy, like the mouth had pretty much degraded, so the teeth were all visible. <laughs> it was absolutely horrifying. Oh, god, that that oh, makes me god. think of that glitch oh. in uh, Assassin's Creed <laughs> Unity where the faces don't render and it's just oh, eyes and teeth <laughs> floating there. <laughs> oh Christ! <laughs> yeah. Man, this this went way off track. <laughs> We're meandering. <laughs> this is some macabre meandering. I don't even remember uh, what the question was. Yeah, the Pets. question was... Uh, parts. Yeah, people so, parts. Yeah, the cats are leaving pieces of dead things uh, that are people for people. What does that mean? Uh, how, how do we feel about that? How do we feel I about mean, that? I think that what it means is that your cat is either one unawakened creature and you need to start really discussing the terms by which you like keep this pet because it can murder now like not not kill <laughs> murder i guess you have to decide if you're okay with that because apparently yeah. it loves you enough to bring you food unless that's a threat it's like I can murder. Oh, maybe. Remember this. You're you don't know if these fingers didn't give me enough head pats or touched my tummy one too many times. <laughs> yeah, th I'm not going to lie. Like, the more I think about this, this has threat energy just radiating off of it. This is not like a, this is not like a, I enjoy murder. Let's share this. This is like a, I'm capable of murder. Never forget that. Yeah, I agree with that. And... We have one final question from Nicole Fiore. Fiore, I don't know which way it is. Hopefully I got it right with one of those two. Uh, feel free to call me out in a retweet and tell me I'm dumb and what, how it's actually pronounced. I enjoy being called out all the time on Twitter. Um, which fictional detective would Blake Sky get along the best with? Which fictional detective would he not get along with? All right, so for this one... I'm trying to think with regard to like fictional detective. Are we talking? Are we going to set parameters where it like has to be a movie, a book, or can it be like literally anything? I feel like open it to everything. And then for detective, are we talking about just the classic film noir detective? Or are we going to like anyone who investigates mystery slash crime? Anyone slash Batman. Because I'm not going to lie. My, my, my gut instinct for who he would get along with Hellboy. Aww. I can see it. I think Blake's guy would like initially be like, what's up with you? Hellboy would be like, I could ask the same thing. And then they would immediately just kind of like hit it off over some beers and just kind of like, just kind of chill out, you know? That may be me projecting how I feel about Hellboy on this, but uh, I'm Blake's dad. <laughs> Shut up. Papa Blake. Uh, and then for, uh, you know, I'm curious what you all think for, like, what fictional detective you think Blake would, would mesh with. Just like, he's almost got that Wolverine vibe to me, where he befriends younger female detectives, so maybe Nancy Drew? Yes, I, as soon as you said yes. Wolverine befriend younger female i thought man i really hope people don't take this a creepy way <laughs> but then immediately after that i was like nancy <laughs> drew nancy drew <laughs> and then 
you know, when they have the Nancy Drew comic book, and then for her, like, what, 20, what was it, the, the anniversary, they kill her off and the Hardy Boys investigate it, Blake Sky can, like, shoulder check them out of the way and be like, why don't you, like, go back to, you know, solving who stuffed you in the damn high school locker, you losers. <laughs> uh, I got this. I have feelings about that. I don't know if that was clear. <laughs> Alright, what about you, Gabby? Who do you think... Who do you think Blake would mesh with? Have have major major detective bro or sis vibes with? Can I can I be a contrarian? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, my head led to like, what's the most ridiculous situation Blake could end up in, where he's just frustrated all the time? Mm-hmm. And it was basically if he ended up in the world of Angel. Okay, where they're only investigating supernatural things and everyone is supernatural except for blake oh god i love that he's <laughs> i mean like, i just want him to deal with nonsense that he just refuses all the time but it's just that's everything and it's so dramatic and he's just is having none of it yeah and i mean like even when he has to like finally accept yes vampires are real yes there is a portal to hell under this damn city or whatever he's like Okay, I, I accept this, but it's still it's still dumb. I still hate this. Yes. And if I'm being kind, I kind of want a bro show. Uh, yeah. Like Starsky and Hush style with him and Horatio Kane. Okay. I dig it. I'm into it. <laughs> I'm into it. I think that would mesh oh, really well. Awesome. And then... Uh, what fictional detective would he not get along with? Okay, well. <laughs> All right, so what's uh, what's your take on it? I'm willing to I'm willing to hear y'all's before I give what I think is the definitive answer. Hmm. Seems like you have some beef with the Hardy Boys. <laughs> I, it's not the Hardy Boys themselves. It's what. The Hardy Boys are doing right now at the behest of comic book writers. That I think that's fair. Like, oh, okay. The Hardy Boys are fine. I I used to read Hardy Boys books way back when I was a little bitty boy. I mean, depending on how generous we are with the term detective, we could go to like basically any children's mm. television show because they are all basically really bad mysteries. Dora the Explorer? Yeah, or like Blue's Clues, or like any of those where it's like, hey, this is what we're doing today. Oh, we're missing X item, or oh, we need to figure out X thing. And then you spend the entire time learning about friendship or whatever. Uh, and then, at the end, it's like, oh, we had this the whole time. Or, oh, hey, um, you know, we, we managed to get this thing, or we didn't even need this thing to do this the whole time. And then... Uh, you sing a song, and then a blue dog uh, waves at you goodbye. Yeah, you know what? I'm basically going to say it. Children's educational television is noir. <laughs> or at least or at least a detective. Uh, you know what? Not noir, because it doesn't meet the theme criteria. But it is a detective story. Man, we really get off track. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't worry. This, this will all come out in editing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, 
So we've got we've got a vote for maybe the Hardy Boys. Um, we've got basically your your best case scenario was also your worst case scenario with the last one. Uh, just depending on whether you're generous or not with how things go. <laughs> if I'm if I'm gonna be honest, I think the detective that Blake would hate the most is Inspector Gadget. That's fair. I hated Inspector Gadget. Really? I like Penny. Yeah, because like Penny and Brain were great, but yeah, they do everything. Gadget is completely useless. Yeah, because literally Penny and Brain do everything. Huh. Yeah, like Gadget only serves a purpose in that he inadvertently catches the culprit in the third act. That's it. That's all he does. In every episode, it's like Penny and Brain figure out who it is. Uh, they try and catch him, and Gadget, you know, like, uses, you know, go-go Gadget, insert whatever power, and stops him. And that's it. That's all he does. Everything else, he's wrong about everything, and he's an idiot. <laughs> and I think Blake would find that as frustrating as I do as a person. <laughs> he, like, because Blake's, Blake's not the smartest cookie, but, like... yeah. He at least has the ability to read people if he's not academically smart. He's got street smarts. Yeah. I, I've said it before, I'll say it again. High whiz, low int. I see him, like, chafing with people. Like, I see two spectrums that I've seen in police investigators and that sort of thing. Like, I see someone who's too far on the side of the law where they're so they're super rigid in it. Like, we're talking, like, the lawful good paladin of the party here. Oh, see, I was thinking, like, Judge Dredd. <laughs> <laughs> well. I am the law. The law. No, I'm picturing someone who's, like, really enamored with it and not willing to be flexible as they go about things and has, like, an, uh, an idealistic view of, like, you know, laws needed for society. Because I feel like Blake is so over that. And has has quite quite a harsher view like he is willing to do what needs to be done um i could see someone like that getting under his skin but i also see i could also see a a highly proficient detective who is overly ruthless being problematic too oh yeah true yeah i definitely could see that it, it, it's got to be in that sweet spot where it's like has some morals but those morals are seated in reality yes yeah. And then, for the mystery for Blake to solve, what is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? Let me... I'm definitely not looking this up. I don't hear clicking. Do you hear clicking? I don't hear clicking. No, not at all. Uh, estimating the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow. Uh, we'll just skip down here. Beep, boop, beep, boop, 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 boop. An unladen European swallow has an airspeed velocity of roughly 11 meters per second, or 24 miles an hour. So, there you go. Easy as that. Nice, well. Yeah. Pretty yeah. clear cut. No, no nonsense on this nope. one? Nope. Yeah, you know, oh man, you know, this is the first one that I think we've done that hasn't had any in-character interaction. It's true. Which is honestly a shame, given the fact that, like, Amy has such an awesome, like, in character voice. Oh, hell yeah! 
Like, the fact that you were willing to learn how to do a very convincing transcontinental accent just for the show was awesome. Well, it was it was cool to be offered the opportunity to, like, and it, it was actually kind of fun uh, learning how to do it. I don't know if I ever told you how I practiced, but I just flipped through Twitter and I would read random tweets in the voice. That's awesome. It would be like the most ridiculous tweets would be in the daft. Give me one. Give me one right now. Oh, I gotta know. The the people, the people need to know. And I'm sick, by the way, so I apologize if it. uh... Oh, Oh, the one that I came across a lot when I was practicing was uh, a large boulder the size of a small boulder blocking the the highway that one <laughs> i don't know if you ever saw that one oh, here we go here we go i've got one that i would love you to read oh no i'll, I'll send okay. i'll send it to you right now okay undocumented immigrants pay more in u.s taxes than amazon or facebook do by alexandria ocasio cortez nice <laughs> excellent thanks for sending me that one <laughs> no problem you know that's just a that's just a random tweet that I got. It, 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 there's no reason that I linked it. It doesn't mean yeah, anything. No. Just It was just a run-of-the-mill tweet. I'm reminded. Yours is far more realistic and fitting of the tone of, of Blake Sky. But I am reminded <laughs> very strongly of uh, Paige Sinclair from Bojack Horseman. She is a gem in the last season. Oh, God, yes. The, yeah. Paige Sinclair and what was it, Max? Yeah. Just, oh man, they stole, they stole a lot of that show. Yes. Uh, I, I, I think that's, I think that's good. Cause we've got the, we've got the other ones, but we can get to those next time. I swore to myself that I wouldn't upload a mailbag that was an hour long. <laughs> Cause I feel like once I do that, I've basically proven that, uh, I'm bad. No. I don't agree with that. <laughs> like, no, nobody wants to listen to the, an hour-long mailbag. If if anybody here listening to this today in the universe wants to listen to an hour-long mailbag, at me. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to assume that you all have good taste and realize that I am dumb. Adam. I'm going to at you right now. Gabby, what is something right now in the world that we live in which is kind of garbage given recent events that I won't go into to date this. Yep. What are good things that people should know about that uh, they can use to stoke the fires in their hearts and stave off the darkness, which will consume us all? Um, 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 so, you know how we had that question earlier about the cat with the people parts? I this is going somewhere good, I promise. Okay, okay. Okay, this is this is gonna be a trip, but go ahead. <laughs> I'm excited. Yep. <laughs> okay. So when that came up, I was reminded of a, a short story I had read. I think it was in a dark fantasy collection from the past couple years, maybe like 2016, 2017, um, by uh, Catelyn R. Kiernan. And um, I may have butchered her beautiful Irish name, but uh, it's called The Cats of River Street. I think 1925 is part of the title. But 
it's great because it's actually a short story about the perspective of the cats that live in Innsmouth as the events are going or as they're happening. But from it's just like these cats perspective as the as the town is beginning to hurtle towards Eldred's demise. And I couldn't help but think of it due to everything. Um, but yes, I, in general, I recommend the short story. It's very good if you can get it. Uh, I love Catelyn R. Kiernan because she actively defies the concept of plot. She actually thinks plot can be stupid and says you should write in spite of it, which I love. Um, but yes, uh, go read Catelyn R. Kiernan. She is amazing. And I think that a lot of people don't know about her and she's probably one of the best, dark fantasy writers that are currently working uh her writing is absolutely beautiful she's ridiculously intelligent in numerous fields and uh yeah her writing will make you happy or it might make you mad if you're a stickler for plot but uh oh boy i love her stuff awesome yeah honestly i i I am not familiar with that so i know what i am doing as soon as i am done here uh what about you amy Something good to stave off the darkness of the world? Yeah, the, the the looming shadows and specters of hatred and depression which hope to feast on the sweet meats. The, no, the sweet breads in all of us. Sweet breads are meat, sweet meats are bread. Yes. Um, I don't know. I like that uh, despite everything that's happening, we can still bring ourselves to create things and to express ourselves and put ourselves out there and really make an attempt to communicate with others like we're not uh, isolating ourselves we're kind of reaching out and making connections so I don't know I feel like this podcast does that like you've got a, a group of fans that love what you do and you've got some really good stuff to say so i feel like this is a bright spot in a dark world oh that's uh-huh. sweet as hell um here i was gonna say some, some dumb ass uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> damn it now i have to think of something poignant yeah how do you now follow that up poignant to say or i just edit it to where you have the last thing because <laughs> i get to do that um no nah. I mean, first of all, thank you. Uh, second of all, I'll take a—I'll steal a little bit of that and just say one of the things that I really love is the fact that this has been an opportunity for me to develop skills that I didn't have and that I didn't know that I even wanted uh, with regard to editing the podcast and you know mixing together sound effects and audio and kind of combing through and trying to to get just the right take on stuff it's frustrating but at the same time there's this just sense of accomplishment when it all comes together that even even if nobody else listened to it i'd be proud of it and more than that i would be proud of the work that i shared with people like gabby and amy and steven and steven kropa it has been a legitimate blessing to hear the passion and the joy that you all put into this. And it is what keeps me going every time I'm sitting down writing in my notebook and thinking, this is garbage. I hate every word that's coming out of me right now. 
why am I doing this? I think even if I don't believe in me, other people have invested the time and effort to make this real. So you can just stop being a big baby and write stuff and make it better later. Because it doesn't have to be perfect when it comes out the first time. And that's what my dumb, stupid brain thinks. If, you know, if I can take that from this, what I want to put out to everybody is do not be afraid to fail at something. Do not be afraid to revise your work. I know that I have been for a very long time. A lot of people. I know I, yeah, it's definitely something I've dealt with. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I hate looking stupid. I hate putting stuff out there, whether it's this or, you know, like in a social context and being told that I'm wrong or that I'm not doing something right. But I don't know. It Getting to, to make this with, with you all and getting the feedback from people. Because like I the, the last episode, uh, Stephen had just an amazing amount of feedback for me that he wasn't, you know, afraid to to push and be like i think that this line is better i think that this could have a better read i wrote this entire monologue about the the iconography of the gun as a visual metaphor for death and power and i'm like all of this is awesome and you know your character better than i do so i think if i had to take my long rambling point and distill it into something it's that collaboration is one of the greatest things that we have in this world whether it's artistic or social, I think coming together and adding what we have to the world and to a peace and to a community is important. It's, it's vital. And I think that the more we do that, the more that we put ourselves out there and the more that we let other people in, we can make truly amazing things. And if there's something that we need right now, it's that. Uh, all right. Well, uh, the next episode will be coming out on, let me check, the 23rd. So, 23rd, the sixth episode comes out in which Blake Sky will have died. I'm not joking. Blake Sky shot. He died. <laughs> He's dead. Find out what's going to happen in episode six. Who's going to run it? Is it going to be Eleanor? Is it going to be somebody else? Who knows? Tune in for Eleanor stealing Webster to use him for her extremely dorky linguistic show. Yes. I'm ready for the Eleanor show. The Eleanor show. Coming up on the 23rd of February. Be there and be square. Goodbye. Adios.